0: This is the drummer's resource podcast session 645 and the quote of the day is there's nothing noble in being superior to your fellow man true nobility isn't being superior to your former self you're listening to the drummer's resource podcast home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers music industry professionals and thought leaders inspiration education and motivation for drumming and beyond and beyond and beyond hey hey what's going on everybody nick raffini here episode 645 and i hope all of you who celebrated christmas had a great christmas and those of you who didn't i hope that you had just an awesome weekend and as we look into 2022 hopefully you have some amazing things planned for the new year and hopefully you know things will get a little safer out there and a little a little better and this episode is a re-release with aaron spears and there's a couple reasons why i wanted to re release this particular episode one because it's aaron spears and there's a ton of of great information in here two i was watching some of the zildjian live videos where he hosts and i was just thinking back to this particular episode about how great this episode was And then I do remember there was some, I don't exactly remember what happened, but there was some sort of glitch with the hosting company or my website. I don't remember exactly, but, it kind of stumbled out of the gate So it didn't get to everyone's phones and devices right away And there was an issue with it And I remember getting emails about it So I don't think that it got its proper due So I wanted to re-release this episode It's from all the way back in 2016 So it's 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 you know it's dated, it's buried back in the archives So I wanted to bring this one to the top A great episode with the incomparable Aaron Spears Let's get into it with him Aaron, what's happening, man? Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it.
1: Man, it's my pleasure. It's an honor to be here with you guys today.
0: I gotta tell you, man, I've been I've been a fan of yours for a long time. I think the first the first time I ever saw a video of you playing uh was for your what is it, kick snare hi hat yeah uh-huh. video like you on the street just playing these grooves and i was like what is this i was like this is awesome
1: <laughs> wow man i appreciate it so much i was just having a good time with my bros and uh also with cora too she's not a bro but right. having a good time with my friends man it, it, it turned out really good
0: yeah that's a that's a it's a great video man I've, I've watched it numerous times so uh so for the I'm I'm guessing there's not anybody listening to this podcast that doesn't know who you are, but for it, just in case there is, uh, let's just get a little bit of context on uh, just a little bit about who you are and and where you come from. Okay, well,
1: uh, I'm uh, Aaron Spears. Um, I'm from Washington D.C. originally. Um, spent most of my time just just kind of growing up in church and playing in church, and you know, that's pretty much my background. I was very, very fortunate and really blessed <clears throat> to be able to do some recording with um, a group called The Gideon Band. From here, I think that was kind of like the first thing that I ever did that really um, kind of stretched me as a musician, you know, outside of just regular church stuff. Um, the vibe of the band is kind of like a earth, wind, and fire, mint um, condition. Um, you know, but the, the, the message was you know, gospel message, just kind of proclaiming, um, you know, our love for, for Christ, and you know, just that whole thing. Um, uh, did some recording with them, and from the recording that we did, um, it gained the attention of um, Usher's musical director, um, a good friend of mine, Gerald Hayward, um, was actually listening to the um, listening to the recording in his hotel room. And Usher's musical director is a really, really good friend of his. They worked, worked together on a lot of things before. And mm-hmm. he actually uh, came into his room just kind of hanging. And the, the CD was on. and He was just like, man, who's the dude on drums? We're looking for a drummer uh, with Usher. Do you think this dude would be interested? And um, they hit me up and asked me to submit a videotape of me playing like a video audition. Um, I did what they asked me to do. And um, they selected me. Um, to be usher's drummer and that was back in 2003 like november 2003 so i've been nice. with him since yeah i've been with with him since then um i've been fortunate man to be able to have um that was like my first major thing that i ever did was with usher which is a pretty cool um cool way to start things off. i was
0: gonna say it's a pretty big <sighs> leap right because you weren't like were you were you playing with people and like gradually getting you know, up to that level or it was just like phone call boom now i'm on stage with lusher
1: yeah it was for me it was it was like phone call and then you know right into you know into the mix you know which was for me it was honestly it was kind of it was a learning curve you know like like me playing in church and me playing with the uh with the gideon band um gideon band was like a a a, a step up from just playing like a a regular church service you know because we had you know tracks that we were playing with and the band was pretty big i mean it was we had bass guitar um keys organ horns you know vocals so it was a big band you know so it really caused me to to really kind of stay in my lane and and you know kind of know what works and what doesn't work it it, it gave me a, a great foundation but Going in with Usher and with that particular band, man, it was it was like next level. You know, it was like what I was experiencing um, playing with the Gideon band, but it was it was to a whole nother level, man. Like that, I, I I wasn't even sure, honestly. You know, during my time there, you know, when I first got there, I wasn't even sure if I was supposed to be there, just because it, things were just happening at such a rate that I just wasn't quite used to. You know, so I I remember (laughs) I remember vividly asking asking one of the guys, um, um, Buddy Strong, the keyboard player. I asked him. I was like, "Man, you think I'm supposed to be here, man? (laughs) This is this is this is a lot that's going on."
0: Are they sure they they called the right Aaron
1: Spears? (laughs) I'm so serious, man. It was it was it was scary. You know, just the way that everyone was. You know, just the level that everyone was just so comfortable to playing at, and then. You know translating that not just not just you know being able to play the music but the level of energy just to have throughout a, a two and a half hour show
0: mm-hmm. you know was
1: just it was a lot bro it was a lot but um pushed through that man and um definitely secured my spot there with with him and and with the band and it just seemed like um it's just been a good fit and i've just really been thankful for, uh, for the opportunity to do that, it's a
0: great gig, man. I mean, who do you, so? Who did you replace? Did you replace Brian? Actually, no. It
1: was um, Mike, um, Mike Clement. So the, the so crazy because that particular gig, man. Before I got there, there was um, Usher's first drum was a guy from Detroit named Liddell Abrams, mm-hmm. um, who I remember, man, I looked up to. He was a, also he was a church drummer. Um, incredible musician. He played with a lot of people that I um, you know, listened to You know, coming up. And he was on the gig, and for whatever reason, things didn't work out for him to stay. So Brian came onto the gig. Brian Moore came onto the gig. Um, Brian was there for a minute. Um, he did a recording, a live um, CD recording with Usher called I think it was just called Usher Live.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, man, I listened to that record so much because Brian's playing was just like it was inc- it was incredible. You know the the live music aspect that they captured on that particular CD was just it was it was next level. Um, but things didn't work out with Brian, so Brian ended up leaving, um, and then they had Mike Clemens, which was um, a good friend of mine who was. Also, to me, was just incredible on the gig. Um, I actually remember when Usher came to town. He came to <clears throat> to DC, well, actually outside of DC, he came to like um, uh, Columbia, Maryland, mm-hmm. and I actually bought a ticket to go to the show to check out the show um, because I knew it was going to be a great show. I, I was familiar with the guys in the band. Um, I was familiar with, you know, Usher's music and I was just really looking forward and anticipating to checking out a great show. So I actually bought tickets to that show, man, to see them play. And it was, you know, again, it was just one of those things where I, I just kind of felt like, wow, this is I'm just totally blown away by, you know, the music and the musicianship and um, definitely by, you know, the drummer, you know, but things didn't work out for Mike to stay. So, um, when it came time for them and they were looking for someone new, um, that's when I got the call. You know, and it was just like for me to be sitting there in that chair after you know checking out countless videos, you right? Know, actually buying a ticket to, to go check out the show. You know, it was just surreal for me, man.
0: That's nuts, man. That's that's good, man. Congratulations on that. Thank so. You the one of the things that 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 I've gathered from you know talking to Brian talking to Gerald that Usher likes guys that have a ton of chops because he likes guys chopping it up but he also needs the pocket too yeah and it seems like it seems like a lot and I don't want to generalize but it seems like a lot of people have one or the other yeah and yeah. you and the guys that you mentioned as well have both Yeah. So what was your, what was your approach to sort of developing all that chops and facility, but then also saying, okay, I got to be able to play in the pocket. I got to be able to groove. I got to be able to serve the music, not just serve my ego.
1: For for me, man, it it, it starts with, you know, like the way that I was raised in church, you know, it was just really um, about the foundation. You know, that's, that's honestly where I first learned the importance of just staying in my lane um and making sure that what i played supported the music you know it's like you, you can't you can't be selfish in that in that arena in that environment you know it's like you you have to uh, you have to be the foundation you have to kind of serve everybody else that's that you're playing with and and the, the singers that are singing like you have to be able to um to really support that you know so for me um I learned that early on like I got a lot of uh dirty looks and and you know a lot of uh frowns if I kind of stepped outside of the zone um in times where where I shouldn't have. You know, I was very very fortunate to be able to play with um a musician his name was James Murder. Um he was the organist there at the church that I grew up in and um for a long time it was just just him and I, you know, just playing there just just the two of us. So it was a lot of um, organ and drums and, you know, he would play the bass on the bass pedals. um, But it really taught me the importance of having a solid foundation. Now, as far as chops and stuff, um, I I, I started to become more fluent with my chops and licks and things like that when I started to share with other people. You know, I would sit down and I would practice with um my friends, man. We would just kinda set up kits and sit down and practice and, and and you know, for you know, hours at a time, we would just just kinda trade ideas, you know, back and forth and we would watch tons of videos of things that we saw. Um, you know, like like the old DCI videos before Hudson was Hudson, they were dci so we yeah
0: were, i just had i actually just had rob wallace on on oh, the podcast really? yeah yeah oh
1: man he's such a good dude man. he is a good that. dude uh, but before they were hudson they were you know dci so i remember watching you know tons of um videos from dci you know with dave Weckel or uh dennis chambers and um omar akeem and then like the whole Um, burning for buddy that whole series Mm and just tons of videos man that um i would pick up from the the local music store here chuck levins and um you know check them out and and try to put those things in my plan but the the most important thing that i that i i think i took away from both sides is having the balance and i think a lot of times cats don't don't they don't have balance like they're either super incredible chop wise they can play you know all of these crazy stickings and 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 you know at so many different speeds and it's it's incredible it's it's awesome it's incredible but then when it's time for them to actually sit in a pocket and play a groove they don't have that like they don't have they don't have the ability to to do that effectively I'm not saying they can't do it but it's just it feels like something is lacking right I mean Mm
0: -hmm. it doesn't have sort of that that energy and that that vibe to it it's just sort of they're kind of just haphazardly getting through it yeah it it just
1: that's not the vibe so for me man I, I I always concentrated on on being able to to have the balance and to be able to play both you know I wanted to be able to to be explosive and and have chops and stuff like that. But I also want to make sure that, you know, nothing is lacking when we're just sitting in the groove and being the support for the other instruments.
0: So is that something that you consciously practiced in? Like, did you go in? Are you a regimented practicer, first of all? And second of all, is that something that, that you went in and consciously were like, all right, I really have to work on this or was it sort of something that came naturally through playing with all these other people? I think for me, it's just something that just kind of
1: came naturally initially, you know? And then as I, as I got older and I I started to realize that, you know, um, I started to realize the importance of the balance. Then I began to kind of make sure that I would, I would not forsake that. Like in me, in me getting all, you know, Chops and and practicing different things and and trying to get my left hand to do things my right hand does and all of that man like I I didn't want to forsake the foundation you know I still wanted to be able to 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 stay 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 strong and stay true to just playing the foundation man Mm
0: -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. which
1: you know just playing the pocket and being able to play the groove and you know not necessarily playing. You know, chops, but but playing fills, I would say, and being a leader in the music as, as opposed to just, you know, just kind of pissing all over everything. Right. Know.
0: Right. No, I mean, that makes total sense. And that's why you get the gigs, you know, because they you have you have that room there when you need to go there, but you're not always there. My buddy, Daniel Glass always said, would you rather be, would you rather want to be the Ferrari going down the road at 65 miles an hour and you got a lot more room or the guy in the Pinto doing 65 and he's got the pedal to the metal and that's all he's got.
1: Right. Exactly. That's, that's important. Uh, A friend of mine told me uh, this this joke. Sometimes, man, the joke is dirty. It's a dirty joke. I want to share it today. But, Ah uh, <laughs> you could you
0: could do it, man. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> it's terrible. It's a terrible joke. Um, it's terrible, but he was the 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 point of the joke is man, you just have to just just use enough to win. like you don't have to you don't have to necessarily go all out every single
0: time and show off you, and
1: you don't have to do that. you don't have to, you don't have to do that to to be respected and to be loved, man. if you just just play your part and do what it is that you do and do it effectively, man you're winning.
0: Well, there's humility involved with it because it's hard to have all this facility and I mean from an ego standpoint yeah. and just to sit there and lay in the pocket and not be worried about like showing your your latest and greatest tricks.
1: Yeah, but you know I think at the end of the day, man, like like reality, you know, I I think it's it's just about people's focus, you know, and it's like are you playing to create Wolfman for people to be like, woo. Right. Is that what the vibe is? Or are you, are you playing because it's, it's the love you have? Or are you playing because you want to actually support the music and you want to, you want to serve the music? You know, it's like, what's your, what's the true reason for you playing? Like, what is the bottom line? You know, and if it's to make people go crazy, then cool. That's, that's what it is. Hey, man, you, you have to do you. If that's what you feel satisfies you, then that's great. But mm-hmm. there's a, such a bigger picture out there, man. It's such a bigger picture.
0: I think that, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that that keeps you grounded and keeps you humbled. Uh, I, I remember, and I'm not expecting you to remember this, but two years ago we were at Nam and Thomas Pridgen was playing in the GoPro booth. Mm-hmm. You were there watching him. Yeah, I was standing right next to you. I introduced myself briefly. I don't expect you to remember. Don't worry <laughs> very cool. And uh, but the one but I like I'm a people watcher. And the one thing I noticed about you, there was tons and tons of people coming up to you. And they were like, Aaron, I love you. You're my favorite drummer. You're the best drummer in the world, all this stuff. And every single time someone made a comment about it, you you. Pushed it back and said, "Nah, man, I'm just you know I'm just grateful that that I can play." And and you're like, "You should check out this guy playing right now, you know." And yeah. and every single person you were you were extremely humble. You were nice to everybody, and which I thought was you know I thought it was super cool because you could easily in that situation you could easily be cocky, you could be conceited, and you you weren't, which I thought was amazing. But I think that that attitude definitely spills over. Into your playing, you know, when you're serving the music, would you agree? Yeah,
1: I, I appreciate that, but yeah, I mean, to me, man, not, none of us have any, none of us have any room to be, you know, cocky or arrogant about what it is that we're doing. Especially because I feel, I personally believe that, you know, us being able to play, I feel like it's a gift, man. I feel like, you know, the gift comes from. I feel like it comes from God and I just feel like anybody trying to, you know, be arrogant or take credit for that, you know, that's, that's like plagiarism. (laughs) You can't, you can't do that, man. So that's
0: a good way of looking at it.
1: You know, it's just for me that, that always keeps me, keeps me grounded that, and then also seeing people like, like Thomas play, (laughs) I'm I'm sitting there watching Thomas and I'm just like, Holy smokes, that was incredible! Oh, I love that. Oh, you know, it's like it's a monster. Uh, I, he really is, you know. So it's like man, I, I, I see things I need to work on them myself, but it's like there's no room for for, you know. I, I'm all in, you know, being, you know, confident and you know, having you know great self esteem and all of that, but. There, there's no room for for arrogance or, right. or being cocky, man. It's just, especially not when there's so many amazing musicians that do what it is that we do. You right. know, there's a ton of them out there. I swear, there's there's at least you know a thousand guys on this planet that I think play better than I do or have more facility than I do. Right. You know, but it's just that at this particular point in time, you know. <sighs> i I'm able to shine you mm-hmm. know what I mean? and I'm thankful for that, but I don't take it for granted man i don't i don't I don't take for granted the love that people show me and I don't take for granted my gift you know but mm-hmm. definitely that's that's there's no room for arrogance man
0: i <laughs> uh, I'm with you man and i have a I have a theory and it may be wrong or it may be right, but I think the the people who are the most cocky and conceited it's actually. A defense mechanism because they're not confident in yeah. in their playing. You know, like I've done 180 of these interviews with the greatest drummers in the world, yeah. and I, I'm blown away. And so, I mean, I've had people from the audience tell me this too about how humble and how uh, you know how gracious everybody is who who's been on the podcast. Which is like, yeah, that's how you get there. Yeah, that's how you succeed by not being an asshole.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know? absolutely. And It's it's funny though, man, because there are some dudes out there that that are assholes that are that that are, are winning to a certain certain extent. But I don't know. I just I, I just for me, I tend to take a liking to the guys that um, that are more chill, or more humble, or more thankful. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. it's the worst to see somebody that you. You know that you look up to, uh, you enjoy their musicianship, and then you get a chance to meet them, and they're just like, just a total jerk. Man. And you're that, like, oh man, that sucks. That really yeah. really sucks. Yeah. Know?
0: So I want to switch gears a little bit. I and yeah. not to not to backtrack too much, but in All the right. beginning you had mentioned about the Usher gig, and you were saying that you know you went from one level to this to this other level yeah. and i'm sure that there were struggles there were some failures in there there were some you know some things that you that you screwed up so can you talk a little bit about like some of the some of the things that you had to overcome and because all of us have some sort of struggle or some sort of failure that we're going to that we're going to endure so i would love to hear your take on some of that
1: yeah for for me and in particular on on that gig man like i just remember coming into the gig um initially um, I was I was feeling pretty confident, you know, because I had just, you know, sent my tape in, and you know, out of the, they said it was maybe like a hundred tapes or so that came in, um, that they selected me to be his drummer. So I'm feeling like, oh, okay, cool, this is gonna work out. Okay, they're, they're gonna they like me. Okay, great, I'm I'm cool. Let's let's get in here. Let's make it happen. And when we got to playing the stuff, um, the first thing that was that was really tough for me was um, playing with the sequencer
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because the way that this sequencer was set up there was no um there wasn't a click at that particular time like it literally was um just the sequencer like really? just it was just tracks so basically like the way that um I was used to things before. Oh, I didn't have in-ears at that time either. I had headphones, um, like these big Sony headphones, I think is what I was using during that time. But the way that the music was set up was once the, um, you know, we are getting ready to go into the next song. Sometimes some songs would have an intro, like, you know, it may be some sort of an intro, and then the beat would drop in maybe after, you know, a bar, two bars, four bars, whatever, then, you know, the beat would drop. So I would have the tempo and I would kind of be, you know, solid, you know, on stuff like that. But then there were other times where it was like um, the beat would drop and I would literally have to like <laughs> beat two I had to be in. right? So, you know, so <laughs> yeah. like, like once the one would drop, you know, there may be something like a or something in there to kind of help give me like you know, like the, the tempo and like the time which was cool but man it was so that was an extreme learning curve everybody else in the band was so used to it you know me it was like I this is how we do it just this is so you get in where you fit in and that was nerve wracking to me because I never ever ever experienced anything like that before like just come right in on the two snare right in like, that was extremely weird for me, extremely weird. Um, I remember, man, honestly, it was it was many, many days in that camp that um, I ended up, like, spending the night there at the rehearsal facility, um, just so that way I could spend more time practicing.
0: Were you ever thinking, man, I'm going to lose this
1: gig? Uh, I actually did. I felt that way. You know, I was just like, man, you know, they... They called me here to, to do this and here I am, you know, I, I had, I was working a, um, a computer job, um, this, this, uh, consultant firm, uh, called IQ Solutions out in Rockville. And, um, I had told them that I had gotten the call to, to do this gig, uh, with usher to go on tour with him and I'm looking forward to doing it. This is a dream. And, you know, I just want to take a leave of absence. And um, I did that, and I was just thinking, like, man, if I fail, you know, how do I go? How do I go back there? You know, I think my leave of absence—I think I told him I, I was going to be gone for like three months or so. Just like, how do I say, hey, guys, it's only been a week, and I, I'm back? You know, it was—it was very nerve wracking for me, man. You know, so
0: and that's got to be hanging over your head, like, man, I don't want to walk back in here, and. Uh, bruh, it was that. That was a. That was
1: a lot. You know, that was. That was an awful lot. You know, I just <laughs> I, I I spent a lot of time in rehearsals, um, working on stuff and then even after rehearsals and things were done and everybody else was going home or going back to the hotel um to, you know, relax and to chill, um, I stayed, man. I stayed because it was something that I wanted to be able to, to do so bad, you know, so those those days were really, really tough, man. Like I, I like I said, I, I felt like at one point I felt like I, I didn't know if I was actually gonna make it and you know, if I was just gonna go back and go back to work on my gig and you know, go back to playing in church or what the vibe was gonna be, but right. but um I, I persevered, man, and I pushed through and um, I just played the best that I could and got my confidence up and you know, the guys in the band were very, very supportive and they believed in me and it just all worked out you know it's good yeah (laughs) Yeah, you um, didn't
0: have to go back with your your tail between your legs uh, (laughs) i I didn't
1: man and i was super thankful for that you know it was just a super confidence booster
0: yeah for sure for sure and you know to to pull out the the nugget of that that i really got from that is that you know all right you get the usher gig you're like oh i made it man that's when the that's when the work starts
1: yeah you know like that's yeah. where
0: that's when it's like all right I was operating at this level now I gotta operate at a whole other level and i gotta i gotta you know that's that's what separates good from great, you know it's you staying there overnight,
1: yeah, to learn
0: the stuff and and things like that
1: I just felt like like you know I had to keep it real with myself, you know I had to you know really be honest with myself and say, man if I wanna be here what what am I gonna have to do in order to solidify myself? In this position. Right. I was like, I have to put in some extra time. I have to, I don't have a choice. I have to do it. Mm-hmm. If not, then I'm sure there's at least, you know, 15, 20 other guys that they could call that could come in and handle it with no problem. So right. that's what it was for me.
0: Stock up on your favorite Evans and Promark products this holiday season with 20% off plus free shipping using the promo code RESOURCE20. Evans drumheads are the most technologically advanced drumheads on Earth, with revolutionary products such as EMAD, hydraulic, and the UV series. These Evans drumheads are designed to solve sonic problems for drummers. And don't forget about ProMark drumsticks, and it's more than just a pair of sticks. It's an opportunity for all drummers to break barriers of convention and make their mark. Every ProMark drumstick has been perfected with ProMatch, ProMark's multi-phase weight and pitch sorting process. This ensures unrivaled consistency, not only from stick to stick, but also from pair to pair. And there are two unique performance pillars with Promark. You have Promark, home of their rear-weighted, performance-driven rebound and finesse lines alongside cutting-edge innovations like Active Grip and Fire Grain. Then you have Promark Classic, which is a celebration of the timeless feel, look, and straight-ahead performance of Promark's golden era, and the home of the front-weighted, power-focused forward and attack line, including Promark's iconic Shirakashi Oak. So head over to Diodario.com and use promo code RESOURCE20 at checkout. That's Diodario.com, promo code RESOURCE20. 20. Limited one-time use per customer and it expires on December 31st. Wow, I was just checking out the new Gretsch Brooklyn Micro Kit, and this thing is amazing. It's essentially a Brooklyn series kit, but smaller. It's a four-piece maple poplar shell pack with a 10-inch tom, 13-inch floor tom, 16-inch bass drum, and 13-inch snare. It's essentially a bebop kit, and the colors and the style and design has that throwback vibe. And the best thing about this kit is it has a wide variety of tuning ranges, and it's really easy to just throw in your car and bring to the gig. It's totally portable, and you still get that great Gretsch sound without lugging bigger drums around. It's really a cool, great sounding kit that you should check out. And you can get this at my favorite place to buy gear, which is Sweetwater.com. I've been dealing with them for more than 20 years, and they have fast, free shipping. They have sales engineers that can answer any question that you may have. They have a two-year warranty on everything that they sell and U.S.-based tech support. I'm telling you, Sweetwater is the place to go. So if you want to check out the Gretsch Micro Kit or any other Gretsch gear, go to Sweetwater.com. Analog sound for a digital world is finally here. Sonar has transformed the original Sonar sound look and feel of the 50s, 60s, and 70s drums into a contemporary concept called the Sonar Vintage Series. Complete with an updated teardrop lug design, round bearing edges for warm, deep, low-end tone, a reissue of the classic iron-shaped bass drum bracket, and exciting finishes, the Sonar Vintage Series is the obvious choice for anyone who has one eye on the past and one eye on the future. For more information, visit sonar.com. I know that you get this question all the time, like, hey man, can 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 we grab a cup of coffee? Can I pick your brain? Can I meet cause I I need I need advice, I need help, I need, you know, I'm trying. I want to do what you do. Uh, what are, what's some advice that you have for people that are listening to, to sort of do what you do? And also what are some mistakes that you see a lot of people making?
1: Man, um, <clears throat> to do, to do <laughs> what I do, honestly, man, is it's, it's <clears throat> and I, I'm not trying to sound like a television evangelist and nothing like that, but I, I just feel like for me, because there's so many great people out there, so many amazing musicians, I just feel like this was one of the things, man, at that, God just kind of opened up the door for me to do it, you know. But I think in preparation for me to do it, uh, for me to, like, I had to make sure that I was ready. So, I mean, I had to spend time practicing. I had to spend time, um, you know, kind of getting comfortable with who I am on the kit. You know, I had to, you know, talk with other people. I had to, you know, other musicians that were doing what it is that I wanted to do. I had to speak with them. I had to talk with them. I had to ask them questions like, um, you know, what is a, what is a drum rider? You know, uh, I had to find out about endorsements, how that whole situation, how that works. You know, it was like, I was kind of preparing myself for, you know, for this moment. Um, I didn't know exactly how it was going to you know, work out or, I didn't know if I was going to ever get the opportunity to be able to play on this level. I, I didn't know, but I knew for sure that it was something that I wanted. So I had to kind of start to to inquire about, you know, what steps need to be taken in order to to, to get there. Like, how do I how do I go about doing it?
0: Mm-hmm. And you know? I, it it reminds me of something that Gerald Hayward said that you know he's like some people aren't meant to do this. Some people aren't <laughs> meant to go on the road. Some people aren't meant to play with usher you know so and he was like that's at some point you not at some point you have to give up but at some point you have to have the you have to have the self-awareness and be honest with yourself and say you know what maybe this is not what i'm here to do yeah i'm gonna tell you man at my uh, at my clinics and stuff
1: you know people ask ask of course that's one of the questions that they ask you know like how, how did you make it happen how did you how did you do it because i'm a drummer and i want to I want to. I want to play, man. I feel like I belong on the stage, and you know, I'm like, man. I'm gonna tell you honestly, man. Like, out of everybody that's here at this particular clinic right now today, it looks like it's, you know, a couple hundred people. There may be one or two of you that actually will make it. Yeah, I'm just being honest. There may be a couple of you that'll be able to actually, you know, take care of your families based on on your plan, like solely on your plan. Like there may be one, you know, or or maybe here in this particular city, there may be none. But what you have to do is you have to be happy with your musicianship on whatever level it is. So if you're playing, you know, nights and weekends in front of twenty people you know, then be happy and, and, and live in the moment. If it's you're playing in front of two hundred people or, or two thousand or twenty thousand, whatever the number is, you know, people that you play, man, you have to be be thankful and be happy and give it everything you have. Cause you just you just never know what what may become of that. You know, you playing in front of those twenty people one of those people in there may be related to i don't know uh bill gates uh, i don't know right, they, right. and he may need to may need a drummer for the next uh microsoft convention or uh, who knows man i i don't know but you just never know who you're playing in front of and that you just have to give it everything that you got every time but you have to first be happy with um you have to be happy you have to love what it is that you do you mm-hmm. know before you can extend to any other level before you can go to any other place. You just have to be happy where you are. I think for me, I was extremely happy, man, playing at church. And I was extremely happy, you know, playing, you know, on weekends with, you know, with my band and, you know, recording or whatever it was that I was able to do on whatever level. I was just so happy to be able to do it because I love to play. I love drums. I love it. You know, I I really, 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 truly love it. And I think that that is what prepared me for um, taking it to the next level or Mm -hmm. when when a door was open for me to be able to go to the next level. I think that's what helped prepare me. You know,
0: I actually just got interviewed for another podcast and and I was talking about delaying happiness. And it's like Mm -hmm. if you're if you're always delaying happiness to. Oh man, when I'm playing in front of a thousand people, I'll be happier. Or when I'm playing in front of twenty thousand, it's like you're gonna get in front of those twenty thousand people and you're not gonna be happy.
1: Nah, you won't be, man. It, it it's not contingent upon numbers, man. It it, it starts within. Mm-hmm. It starts within.
0: So if tomorrow all touring dries up, you don't, you're not playing. You're not no no calls or God forbid, I I don't want to even say this. I'm gonna.
1: that's me knocking on wood for you. But,
0: but because I want to get to, I want to, you know, we were talking about sort of Aaron Spears as the, as the drummer. Let's, let's talk to Aaron Spears as the person. What happens then? What would you do? Uh, Not to say that that's going to happen. I'm just curious of what sort of what, what else you're, you're passionate about or what, what career you think you would do?
1: Well, man, (laughs) as we speak right now, I'm, I'm putting together um, these party hats for my son's, um, Two year old birthday party, so maybe nice. people would hire me for that. And doing <laughs> a pretty good job, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I, I love I, I love computers. You know, I, I've always really been into technology and uh, stuff like that. So if you know drums wasn't my thing and and I wasn't able to to do that, you know, to take care of me and my family, then I would maybe pursue a career in. You know, maybe computers or I don't know, man. maybe I would pursue a career in, in maybe teaching if, if I had the opportunity to do that. You know, I would love to be able to to inspire, you know, the, the next generation and, you know, take the experiences and the, the lessons that I've learned and uh, playing as well and, and be able to kind of shoot some people in the right direction. I think mm-hmm. that would be something I would love to be able to do you
0: know, in in the future. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I just watched a, I don't even know what made me think. You were just talking about technology and I just watched this interview with Sir Mix a lot. Oh, wow. Okay. And he's, I didn't realize this. Like he's really into technology. Mm -hmm. He owns a tech company. Really? Wow. Yeah. When he was a kid, he was like building radios and, and that's crazy all sorts of stuff. i watched this interview with him on i'll, I'll uh I'll, I'll text you the. send it to me yeah. yeah i will it's really interesting and i was like i had no i mean i don't know how i would have known but like it was just yeah. really interesting to see that side of him and he was like oh yeah. man he's like this isn't something that i just got into he's like i've been into this stuff since i was like eight or nine it just made me just made me think of that when you were talking about being into the tech because i'm into technology that's why
1: yeah bro i yeah. I, I, I i i love it <laughs>
0: Me too. I, Me like,
1: too. I, I love it. But I'll but, send
0: you the I'll send you the uh, the interview, and I'll also link up to it in the show notes for the for the podcast. Yeah, that'd be um, cool. Two more questions for you because I told you I would be cognizant of your time because I know you got your your son's birthday and you're getting ready for it. So, um, one is practice routine. Everybody asks about practice, and the reason why I always ask everyone about their practice routine is because I want the audience to. Pick and choose parts of other people's practice routine that they like and then make their own because there's no right or wrong way right or wrong way to practice, but just whatever works for you. So what's a what sort of a typical practice routine look like for you or what did it look like through like your major growth periods?
1: Uh for well for me, uh there were there were different different parts uh or different points in my life where I felt like my playing kind of like grew um exponentially. Uh I would say when I when I started to practice with my friends, like my playing, it got cr- it got crazy. Um, I, I, at my house, my old house that I lived at, we had a I had a basement down there, and every other Thursday, I'm sorry, every other Tuesday, um, we would shed. So it would be like um, my friends would bring their kids over. It would be maybe four kids in a basement, and we would all just take turns playing um, different grooves we also had like um, speakers that we hooked up to um, like our, our iPod or um, to the MPC and we would just um, press play and we would you know play grooves over, you know play grooves on that and we would play over top of the grooves and we would take turns um, soloing and take turns shedding. and we would you know we would we would trade so I noticed that my playing it grew so much when I was taking uh, my ideas and meshing them with the ideas of my friends. Like it really, really kind of took my, my playing to another level because while, while they were soloing or while they were, you know, chopping or whatever, then it was my job to be, you know, the timekeeper. So I would kind of really, really stay at home and really, um, you know, the, it, it, ultimately it would develop help develop my pocket because like while they're playing like these crazy figures and playing all this wild stuff it's like I have to be the anchor, I have to kind of stay at home so um, that helped me to grow quite a bit I have to say um, those shed sessions you know it grew from us being you know maybe four or five maybe six guys um, it grew from that into being like like maybe 30 or 40 guys in my basement. Um, It was those times where they were, they were incredible as cats like Gerald came down or Teddy Campbell came down. Like when, when people would come into town um, for shows that they had to do, you know, at the Verizon center or, or wherever, um, they would hit me up and they would want to come to the basement so we would you know we would we would shed Chris Dave would come it was so many different people um Sput, Robert C. Wright, like so many different cats that you know were on the level that I wanted to be on you know that were you know playing with these different artists um John Blackwell was another one they they would you know take time or took time to come through and, and sit down and practice and shed so that was one thing that really, really grew me a lot. Like it grew me a lot. Um, another thing that 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 really grew me a lot was um, just spending time with myself. Um, I would sit down and just kind of play, and I, I still do. Actually, I don't get a chance to spend a lot of time like shedding with you know my friends and stuff. Now a lot of my friends are are busy. Um, I, I do spend time and share with Jamal more. Uh, a lot of times I get a chance mm-hmm. to, to spend time with him and, and we share from time to time. But most of the time, man, when I'm practicing, I practice by myself. So I like to sit down and play to music more than anything else. I just enjoy playing the music. Um, it can be anything from Stevie Wonder to Skrillex to, uh, I don't know, Rascal Flatts to uh, Kanye West. It, it, can be, it can be anything. Radiohead. I just like to play the music. I like to try to recreate the feel of what um, the artist and the production team what they've recorded. So it's like I look at it from the aspect of me sitting here playing the music, like I'm on stage with the artist. And then I may play the same song, and you know, just to try to um, to try to stretch my creativity. Um, I may just you know, take sections of, of the songs and just play licks and chops over it. You know, like I may take a whole a whole verse or I may just take a whole chorus and just chop through the whole... It, it just it just varies and it just, it just depends on what I'm feeling at the particular time. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like to sit down and play to a click. Like, um, you know, click may just be in 4-4, four, four, um, different tempos, different speeds. Um, sometimes the click may be in odd time. You know, maybe a five or maybe a seven or maybe a nine. Um, it just depends on what it is that I'm I don't know what it is that I'm feeling at that particular point in time. Sure, sure. But, um, you know, I, I think for me, those are the most effective ways for me to to play and for me to practice.
0: Um, I love the idea of you saying getting together all these people and I we keep hearing up uh, Gerald Hayward but he mentioned that too that you know he would just have he just has people over his house all the time and shedding and he invites people over and 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 it's sort of you know it reminds me of the concept of you're the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with like going to the gym with somebody bigger than you or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be yeah. Yeah. they're going to make you stretch they're going to challenge your comfort zone they're going to make you play things and hear things differently than you normally mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. Uh, you know they're going to get put a different spin on it rather than just sitting down and just playing by yourself all the time
1: Absolutely. I think Gerald was one of the one of the guys that um you know, he would have these massive, massive drum sheds. He's the godfather, man. Yeah, he is, he really is. He'd have these sheds up in um in Philly, and man, it would be you never knew who was coming. It could be little John Roberts may show up, Mike Clemens would show up, Dana Hawkins, um, Teddy Campbell, um, Brian Moore, Eric Tribbett. I mean, it's it just spanky. It would just be so many different cats that Gerald would have there. And in addition to those guys that were like the working guys, then you would have, you know, just a ton of like, like local guys that were incredible musicians that, you know, just wanted to play and be in the mix. And it was just such a, a fellowship and such a brotherhood um, of what Gerald was doing up there. So that was one of the things like down here, um, me and my my good friends down here, we would try to kind of make the same thing happen. Um, you know, we just would come together, and it, it just ended up being just a massive thing for you know guys of all ages. You know, older guys, younger guys. Um, you know, <laughs> moms would come through with their with their kids. You know, just so they could watch and kind of soak up some of the the energy that was happening there. But hmm. That was just a just an incredible thing for me. Like it, it, it helped to to grow me in so many ways.
0: So if you're listening, get yourself some friends to to play with. Get some get some people to stretch you. Get some people to challenge your comfort zone because you're definitely going to grow from that. Definitely.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it. I think it helps quite a bit, man. When you you get to share ideas, I'll, I'll give you a good example. Like if you ever seen the um, the Buddy Rich, um, burning for Buddy with Steve Gadd. Andy mm-hmm. Caluda, Dave, and Dave Weckl, yep. Um, that one was fantastic. Also, the one with um, Louis Belson, Dennis Chambers, and um, oh, uh, Greg Buisanet. Mm-hmm. Like seeing seeing those guys, those players of that caliber, sit down with each other and shed and and trade like that. It was just. You can see them pushing each other. You can see you can see the energy. You can see the vibe. Like like it's nothing like that, man. It's nothing nothing like that. So if you
0: It's get, a friendly competition and it you know.
1: is. It is. When it's done when it's done right, when it's done in love, man, it's a it's an amazing thing. You know, not trying to take each other's heads off. Not trying to be, oh, I'm I'm better than you, I'm greater than you. You can't play what I play. Like that can't be the vibe. Like it has to be one where, you know, it's it's really done, you know, in love, and you're really sharing, and you're you're trying to build each other up, and you know, sharpen each other. I think that's that's important.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree, man. Yeah. So so, what do you have? Uh, what do you have on the horizon, man? What do you got working on?
1: Uh, well, right now, um. Man, after I get these party hats done,
0: <laughs> after you start your uh, your party hat your party hat empire. Oh my God, I'm taking
1: over! I had to send a picture or something. But um, after I, I get done with this, I have some um, some dates that I have with Usher. He's got a couple things happening uh, this year. Uh, he's working on a, on a new record so of course they're saying that promo stuff is going to be happening soon so we'll do like a, a TV show run which is cool but uh, still waiting on dates for that stuff I don't know exactly when it's going to happen the only thing I have is the stuff we have on the schedule so I have uh, LA coming up soon I have Japan coming up soon and I think we're supposed to be going to Spain uh, like this summer like August I want to say um, after that, I have a tour coming up with Zildjian. Uh, I'm supposed to be doing like uh, Japan, uh, Korea, Hong Kong, uh, Malaysia, awesome, Indonesia, and also Australia, I believe. So I have that coming up, and you know, just a few clinics here and there to kind of round out the year. I think I'm supposed to be going to Mexico later on this year as well. So awesome, so we'll, man. We'll see, man. I'm just just trying to keep. Keep the lights on, keep it moving, and hopefully, man, inspire some some good people along the way.
0: Well, if you're, I just, I, I think you were just in New York, but if you're up here or if you're in the Philly area, man, definitely let me know. If we can get together. Yeah, man, I will. I definitely will. I definitely will. That'd be cool. And also, if people want to connect with you and, and follow what you're doing and, and learn about all the stuff that you got going on, where's the best place to do that?
1: Man, uh, I'm on all over social media. You can. Yes, my name is just uh, on Instagram. It's just Aaron Spears. On Twitter, no, no, I'm sorry. Don't go to Aaron Spears on Instagram. It's a guy whose name is Aaron Spears. He is not happy. Like his Instagram, his Instagram handle says. I am not the drummer. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> that's that's his that's his bio. <laughs> like, I felt so bad for him because a lot of people apparently were hitting him up. But uh, I
0: I would just contact him and be like, hey man, why don't you let me?
1: <laughs> He's not he doesn't want to give up the name. I don't think. Yeah. I'm I like it's it's cool. So my my Instagram name is just Ace Spears.
0: Yeah, I just followed you actually. I just found it. Yep. Oh, cool. Yeah.
1: yeah so Ace Spears and um on everything else I think is Aaron Spears like on um, was it Snapchat it's Aaron Spears on Twitter it's Aaron Spears um, I have a, a website that I'm working on now um, it'll be aaronspears.com uh, hopefully that'll be be out by the summertime we're still getting everything together for that but it's, it's coming but hit me up man anytime you know, I'll do my best to actually answer you and get back to you my Facebook fan page is just Aaron Spears official, um, so you guys can hit me up there as well. But like I said, I really do try to get back to you. Sometimes it gets overwhelming, man, because I'm sure it's a lot of people in the world, and a lot of people are, are so gracious and kind to say what's up to me. So I, it gets, I get swamped, but uh, but I will hit you back, man. As soon as I can, I promise.
0: And I will link to all the stuff that we talked about and all the ways that people can get in touch with you in the show notes. Everybody can check that out. So I encourage you guys to do that. And Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know you got a bunch of stuff going on with the birthday and everything. So I appreciate it, man. It was, it was great to connect with you and it was a pleasure having you on the podcast.
1: Nah, bro, my pleasure. I appreciate you hitting me up and, and taking the time to, to let me shout out with you for a little bit.
0: Absolutely, man. My pleasure. I'll cool. talk to you soon. All right, man. Be safe. Mm-hmm. There you have it the one the only mr aaron spears and you can find the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 645 i hope you dug this and dig in the crates dig in the archives there's a ton of great great episodes back there this being one of them that i wanted to pull to the top so hope you dug that and again find the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 645 and Other than that, that's all I got. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Raffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out RevoiceMedia.com.